This is Trans Africa Radio. And uh, that's how exactly we're going to start uh, today's jazz sessions uh, right here on uh, Trans Africa Radio. Net. Good morning. My name is Rhymes Concerto. It's just gone uh, 16 minutes after the hour of nine, and uh, we just started off the show, you know, with some uh, some deep jazz, you know, just to set the mood for uh, what we're about to embark on. You know, my name is Rhymes Concerto once again, and uh, we have got a special guest in the uh, studio today. Um, and I'm talking about uh, Dr. Baba Buntu. You know, he's an, an activist, scholar, and uh, founding director of uh, Ebukosini Solutions in Johannesburg, South Africa. And uh, you know, his expertise areas just include, you know, African-centered education, uh, cultural empowerment, black consciousness, and uh, pan-African praxis. You know, he's also the founder of many empowerment projects, you know, one which is the Shabaka Men of Africa which is a program, uh, you know, which looks at, you know, black men's role in just healing and restoration of uh, the African family. He uh, holds a doctoral and a master's degree in uh, philosophy of education. Dr. Buntu, thank Very you. Good morning to you. Thank you so much for the invitation. It's great to be here. Yes, yes. I'm so excited to have you and, and, and also too. thank you for, for accepting the invitation. Absolutely. How could I not. reject? <laughs> <laughs> this is the place to be. This is the place to be. Yeah. Welcome to Trans Africa Radio. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm yeah. very excited to be here. Headquarters of African music. Headquarters. Yeah, no, of I think African I need music. to move in. Yeah. <laughs> this place is, is specifically designed yeah, for I somebody can see. like you. I can see. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and, and, and um, you know, just, just to kick things off uh, I thought that maybe we'll talk about um, you know uh, you know the role of of, of Cassini solutions uh, sure. what what do you guys do you know okay no thank you so much uh, again for the invite and um, greetings to all the listeners out there so Cassini solutions for those who don't know Cassini means house of royalty so we set the benchmark high for ourselves uh, meaning and when we say royalty we don't think just about people who are prestigious or above anybody else we think of it as a role uh, of understanding where we come from as African people. And we don't come from apartheid and enslavement and colonialism. Mm -hmm. We have en endured that too, but that's not our origin. We come from before that. And before that, we come from incredible greatness. Mm. So we have set up our company to draw from that memory of our existence, our cultural wisdom, our indigenous knowledge, our, our practices as African people, and really specifically address young people, not only youth, but predominantly young people, mm -hmm. because we believe that investing in young people is really to build the future of this continent. Mm -hmm. And how we do that is to position African-centered education in different forms. I'm saying, let me say African-centered learning, because when we think education, we often see classrooms and a teacher and yeah. people who just sit and take notes. Right. And that's not necessarily what we do. We engage communities, young people, women, men, elders, in dialogues, in work, mm -hmm. in building uh, programs, uh, solutions, mm -hmm. and also institutions uh, for the empowerment of Africa. Uh, an example of that is we do work with women, mm -hmm. we do work with men, we do work with children. Um, and we, just to exemplify with children, we find that African children are actually very interested in history. And that's something that I know many of my peers do not always recognize right. because we think of history as a difficult subject as a bit 
boring subject. Mm -hmm. And many of us have been in history classes where it actually was boring. So it comes from somewhere. But what I find is that when you engage with young people in a way that they can relate, mm -hmm. they are extremely interested in understanding where they come from, what mm -hmm. they represent. And you can actually see just in the first session how they literally grow in their seats. Oh, yeah. Just knowing this is my history. Yes. This is where I come from. Uh -huh. But I thought I was supposed to be embarrassed. Uh -huh. that's, the, that's the message that our children in, in, to a large degree have. So for us, it's important to position Africa's knowledge as, as power, power sure. that we can use in a very practical sense. So we, I mean, we, we work with academia when we can, we work with NGOs when we can, but really our, our main workspace is out in the communities where, where, where the people are. Mm -hmm. so I'm just saying that to also say that because some people think of African knowledge as a very intellectual conversation when you have five degrees and you sit in an air-conditioned <laughs> <laughs> or hall. And for us, it's under a tree, it's in a car wash. It's like everywhere we can actually sit and just remember ourselves and make plans for how we're going to go from here. Right. That's, that's, that sounds very profound. And, and how big is your team? And uh, like how, how long have you been operating? Okay. So we started about 20 years ago. Um, I was not married when I started, but then Mama Tebuko, uh, an incredible woman, came along. Mm, and uh, mm. she agreed that uh, I, I had something going for myself as well. So mm -hmm. we, we joined uh, some years in, and she has become a very instrumental part of the drive of Ebukusini together with uh, a couple of our spiritual sons and daughters, meaning that they are not our biological children, but mm -hmm. they are young people that have kind of been fostered under this development of the organization mm -hmm. and has taken... So, you know, we are a small organization. Right. Um, we we small in, in size, small in resources, but I think we are big in network. We have, because we have existed for quite some time, we collaborate with a number of other organizations. We have a huge family and we really call it family because being part of Ebukusini means that you also are invited to really go into a journey of yourself. Who mm -hmm. are you? Where do you come from? Uh, what fears do you have as an African person? Uh, what do you need to study? So our study programs is not the same. Uh, you may come as a woman really seeking what are great women in African history, then that's what you will be guided into. Or you come as somebody who trying to be, you, you realize that you were not really a good father for a number of years. Mm -hmm. Now you want to shape up and you need some assistance. So that's what you're going to study. Mm -hmm. So we, we, we create programs for individuals and groups uh, in relation to what they need. Mm -hmm. So it's difficult to give a number of the family, but sure. we, are a, we, are, we, are, we have a board of five people who are the kind of the most uh, engaged. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have, Hundreds of people literally around us that uh, are involved in different ways throughout the year. We, we really work as almost like a two companies in one because sure. we do a lot of work, sure. even if we are a small entity. Sure. And I know you've, 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 you've been in, involved in a, in a lot of projects. Are yes. there any few that you might want to mention? So one that I want to mention, since I mentioned education and children, mm. uh, we three years ago we started a... A holiday program for for children called mm -hmm. winter school winter school well it will be summer school if we also decided to do it in December mm -hmm. but we did it in July and it was a, a week for children uh, during their holiday to really focus on African history African culture and arts and culture um, and that program is so precious to me I don't know there's something about me that moves in a way I can't explain when I see 
children especially, young people in general too, but especially children mm-hmm. engaging as if their life depends on it. And I think it actually does. <laughs> I think our lives depends on it. But they engage so deeply. Like you can see, I don't know how to explain. You need to be in the room to really see what I'm talking about because uh-huh. I'm not exaggerating. Uh-huh. Uh, young people become so excited when they, like you see a girl of, of seven year old realizing that she's actually coming from a lineage of queens, that she can claim this as her own descent. This is, her, this is where she comes from. She doesn't have to be upset. She, she can embrace her skin complexion, the way she looks, the way her hair is. All the things that we kind of learn in this society that we should be ashamed of just to see that pride come into a Mm seven-year-old who may not have the intellectual language in the way we speak about it now, but says it's so raw and so beautiful. I'm proud. I wouldn't want to be anything else than African. And when you've studied our people for a while, you know how profound that statement is. Uh Simple as it sounds, Uh it's really profound. Wow. Yeah. And, and, you know, just just thinking about it, I, I, I can't help but think about... I've got a friend of mine. Yeah. Uh, his name is, is Norman Baines. He's actually American. Right. Uh, or shall, we, shall I say African-American. Yes. But he got married. He, him and his wife, they flew down to, to KZN yeah. and had a traditional African wedding. Right. And just thinking about him and even uh, I, I saw a couple of weeks ago on, on YouTube, mm. uh, there was um, this professional who uh, would draw your blood sample and try yeah. and, 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 you know, work out uh, where pro- possibly the your origin. ancestors came right. from. Yes, sure. you know. And there's so many Americans out there that are trying to connect back home. Sure, sure. And, and for us who are privileged to just be here, uh, it's like we're not really appreciating yeah. that we are actually more connected than, 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 than the rest of the guys out there. It's very true. I, I have a diaspora background myself as well. I wasn't born in South Africa. My family's from Anguilla in the Eastern Caribbean. Uh-huh. And in that part of the world, maybe much more than people are aware of here, Africa is very alive. Um, depending on which communities you engage with, but on a conscious level or on a cultural level, even down to language and music, uh-huh. Africa is very alive, meaning that even if people are descendant of the brutalization, uh, which we call uh, the transatlantic enslavement, sla- uh, uh-huh. uh, slave trade, um, people haven't forgotten and people haven't shunned uh, African culture. And I think that's, that's a stereotype that lives very strongly on the continent that everyone who was taken uh-huh. and are now descendants of enslaved African people uh-huh. do not care about Africa anymore. Uh-huh. And that's very far from the truth. You mustn't put Will Smith and, 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 uh, and Oprah Winfrey as the, as the represented, representation of the African uh-huh. diaspora. Uh-huh. I think if you travel to, to, to Brazil, if you travel to parts of the Caribbean, if you travel to South America, you'll find Africa so alive that when you are born in the continent, you will be thinking, yo, these people actually practice what I'm supposed to practice and I might not even know how. Uh-huh. So I think you, you make a very important statement is that this is a time when we need to come together in a borderless way. Mm-hmm. We have so much to learn from each other. And for us to even sit and make a distinction between where are you from again? Oh, you're from Nigeria. Why are you here? When are you going home? What kind of question is that? Exactly. What are you doing? Maybe we can set up something together. Maybe uh-huh. I can learn from you. Uh-huh. Do you know this? Do, can I? Like, why are we not engaging like that? Uh-huh. Because that's how we start to actually dismantle all these dis- divisions uh-huh. that we have been designed to uphold. Sure, sure. Yeah. And and you also raise a, a valid point regarding just learning about the African yeah. history. True. Um, I, I remember when I was back in high school, 
we did more of European history and just a small section Absolutely. of African Absolutely. history, yeah. which I actually don't even remember. I actually have exactly. to now. True. And if you go into a library, yeah. you you find more stuff about you know the European history Absolutely. and a few books. Yeah. That some people are only a few studying old to books. Old. <laughs> They're not even interesting. Like no. you're not going to pick them up. No. And I feel that that is um, that is epistemic terrorism right. in my book mm -hmm. because when you you could say it's kind of a subtle way. What you are really teaching African children is that you don't really have a history. Mm -hmm. That's what you learn because as a European child, wherever you are born, whatever language you happen to speak. Uh, you can travel anywhere, literally anywhere in the world and be admitted to a school. And from day one, you will learn that you come from a great people. Mm -hmm. the, 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 all the books sure. <laughs> gives testimony to that. Mm -hmm. As an African child, that is never really guaranteed. And if you get to know those books, it's probably because you have parents who decide to buy these books and present these books and read these books. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we need to pick up as African parents. Because if we realize that what we went through, mm -hmm. uh, being very... Uh, uh, blank when it came to African history and not really being able to take much pride in it. Mm -hmm. And then also growing up with the subconsciousness that we almost need to excuse our existence because we're not really a great people. We don't really, when people talk about the kings and queens, we could just go silent. Mm -hmm. Say, yeah, Shagazulu, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> that's like one. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and, and that's a gift we can give to our children to every day. And I, I it's very interesting. I have a five-year-old and, um, You know, working with him, and I work with what he kind of wakes up to, but he has just decided uh, a couple of weeks ago that we're going to have this black consciousness talk in the mornings, 5.30 in the morning. Wow. That's when he comes to, I have a home office, he comes, sit on my lap, and we go through, talk about slavery, talk about colonialism, talk about colorism, talk mm -hmm. about shadism, all of these things. And... Of course, I'm driving it partly, but it's also based on him showing the interest. He said, what is colorism? Why, wh what is light? What is, what is dark? What, is, what does this mean? Mm -hmm. And I think what I feel is very beautiful about that is that through our home, he has woken up. Because I, I, come from a, I grew up in a home that was very dark in a Christian way. Like right. I learned a lot about sin, about the devil. about mm -hmm. I was scared <laughs> as a child. <laughs> I thought I was going to hell all the time. Uh -huh. And so I've also become a bit aware that as much as I now have a very, very strong belief in Pan-Africanism and black consciousness, and I want to share it with my children, but I also don't want to pump them in a way that mm. it's like, don't talk about that, don't listen to that music, don't. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be like that. Mm -hmm. But I hope the best that I can that, of course, they will wake up and that we'll have these conversations. Mm -hmm. But it, I want it to be in a, in a beautiful way, in sure. a way that you feel, wow, I'm, I'm getting empowered. Uh -huh. So that, that morning hour is very, very precious to It's me. very precious. And, yeah. and I think the biggest challenge for, for most working parents out there is the, is the hectic daily routine. Yeah. Uh, you know, you wake up maybe six o'clock, you, you're True. rushing the kids to school, you off to work. When you come back, you're tired. Maybe you also you know, have to study as well exactly. yeah. and do quick homework with the kids and then off to bed. I think it's a big challenge for, for parents like that. And True. for now, us to now find time to sit with, with our children and, and explain yeah. to them. I think for me, speaking for myself, uh, I've also realized I've got two girls. Mm. And the one, the youngest, um, she's got natural hair, True. right? Yeah. And the other time she says, oh, can my hair also look like, she mentioned a friend of hers in school, yeah. who's Indian, who's got yeah, long, sure. straight sure. hair. So right. it, it got me concerned that yeah. why are you not proud of yeah, sure. your mm. head? Do you not realize you're, you're wearing a crown on your exactly, head? Yeah. 
you know, stuff True. like that. True. How can parents, like working parents now, get yeah. to engage with their kids and, and sure. what kind of information, mm. in, in what doses could, no, we, sure. could we share? You know, it's, it's, it's so many things. And, and, but just to mention a few examples and maybe exemplify how I work with my five-year-old. Um, so, for instance, he, he, and he, he goes to an African school. Uh, it's a small community school. So he, he doesn't engage with people who look different than him mm. in school. Mm-hmm. But, of course, he observes in society, observes maybe when he watches certain cartoons and things like that. So, so it kind of gets to him as well that people are different. And he, he realizes, especially if we go to a place where there are other races, that there's something about color. But so now I want to teach him about colorism. I want to teach him about skin color. I want to teach him about that how you look, unfortunately, also carries a value in this world. Right. But I can't say it like this. Uh So what I do, for instance, I open up a lot of pictures maybe of um, dark skinned people Uh just to to, to appreciate because I want him to see the beauty of of just being dark skinned. And that has nothing to do with looking uh, ugly or anything. Uh But. What, so, so he doesn't, I mean, I love that as a political conversation. He doesn't love that as a political conversation. But what he loves is storytelling. Yes. So I, I pull up a lot of faces and then I tell stories like this is, this is Auntie What What. And she comes from what? And you know what? When she went to school, she experienced this and that. Uh-huh. So through that, he kind of picks up that, oh, she struggled with this when she was young. But right. now she, why should she even struggle with that? Uh-huh. And through that, I feel he, learn, he learns kind of this is part of what happens in this world. Uh-huh. So what I'm trying to say is, Try to, like, you need to work with your child. You can't just sit your child down and say, don't do this, don't do that, don't think like that. Uh-huh. You need to work with the child and make it, when I say a light conversation, I'm not sure if that's the right expression, but mm-hmm. I'm trying to say it doesn't have to be like, you know, there's racism in this world. If you go out there, they're going to kill. Like, you can't <laughs> talk like that. Yeah. But you need to, for instance, when we talk about colonialism, there's a book we have about slavery. Right. So he's asking, why is he being beaten? Uh-huh. Why does he work in a field? Why does he like? So then we weave stories into that. I'm uh-huh. not even reading the book. Mm-hmm. I'm just creating my own stories uh-huh. about what happens and uh-huh. kind of exemplifying. Uh-huh. So my point is, let's work with our children. And I think you need to find a balance between because some parents will say, my my child is not interested. Uh-huh. Yeah, but maybe you're also not allowing your child to create an interest because you're not creating a road in. Imagine how they became interested in Mickey Mouse. It's sure. not because they woke up and said, you know what, isn't there a black mouse somewhere that I can relate to? Mm-hmm. Ah, Mickey Mouse, I found... It's not, it doesn't happen like that. No. You are cascaded with this mouse everywhere. For sure. T-shirt. It's and everywhere. you see it's a brand. Uh-huh. And that's what you if, you... if you, as a child, for instance, I one figure that I want my son to really look up to is Marcus Garvey. Sure. So I have pictures of Marcus Garvey. I, we have drawings of Marcus Garvey. We have the colors of the, uh, the red, black, and green flag. And he picks up these nuances, my son, uh, of Marcus Garvey. Mm-hmm. There's many things that he still doesn't understand about why he's so in- incredible. Mm-hmm. But he, he's starting to even look up to Marcus Garvey because we've kind of, he sees the picture on the wall. Uh-huh. He sees that there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a book, mm-hmm. there's music. Mm-hmm. There's, so he kind of gets a spectrum. Right. And I think that's what we need to do as well around these, these topics. We can't just have it in a small book that we hide under the table and no. bring up every time we are upset because my child is becoming too white. Now we need to do this. We need to do it on a daily basis yeah. and also make it interesting. Just like all these cartoon networks make everything so interesting, yes. popping with music and colors and right. all of those things. Right. Let's, Africa, let's make Africa vibrant for our children. Uh-huh. And, and, and it's, it's, it's quite interesting that, you know, if, if 
that you you're promoting um you know the african pride in your own family yes. african identity sure. you know most of these kids nowadays they don't even speak their mother yeah. language True. uh True. Now we get uncomfortable when Gogo comes yeah, to visit, exactly. and yeah. Gogo is speaking Zulu, and yeah. and now mm. she's like, okay, uh, Gogo is trying to tell you to do this. Now the yeah, mother exactly. or the father yeah. has to now try and interpret. It's a problem. Yeah. It is a problem. It is a problem. And I think you know. So my wife did a study on that. She did a research on why do African parents choose to not teach their child their origin or their mother tongue. Mm-hmm. And, and we both came from a very um, judgmental place. Like, why do these parents try to make their children white? Why can't they... Like, that's where we come, came from. Sure. We had a lot of conversations, although it was her research, but we had a lot of conversations along the way. And to put it short, what she found is a lot of African parents feel that their response was, but am I not selfish if I insist that my child must speak Setswana or is it Zulu? When they go out in the world where that is never something they'll be asked to be right. good at. Uh-huh. Because what they're asked in the interviews, what they're asked to get good jobs is to speak good English. Uh-huh. So if I sit and, sit and insist that they must speak our language, am I not being selfish? Am I not depriving my child of really going out in the world and thrive? How sad is that? Mm. And think about that next to the European child who, who, whose family never think about that. Never think about you mustn't know French or you mustn't know Turkish or whatever the language of the family is. Yeah. You always must know that language. Yes, you can know English too. Yeah. Yes, that part of maybe what you're going to study one day or that's the world that you're also going to be entering. Yeah. Yeah. But you need to know your language. You it's need. not even a question. Uh-huh. So I think, and we know that African parents have also gone to white-owned schools and been told that you must stop speaking your language at home. Your mm. child is confused. Mm. And if you're being told that as a parent, now you're feeling, okay, maybe I'm taking it too far. Maybe I should tone down. I must just accept that this is the world we live in. So I'm just trying to say it's a bit more complex than we often think of. We think it's just a, a straight choice. Sure, sure. But the child, think about the, the amount of sources and amount of time that the child is, is, is pushed into the English language. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. When it has, when the child has fun, when the child listens to music, when the child watches a screen, when the child reads a book, when the child like, there's so much English. That's not even at school. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, so, so we, and I think it's very unfair when we, when we, and I think parents must make some good choices. We we chose to put our child in a community school because we don't want that dynamic of of, of multiracials and white school. Mm. So, but at least when you put your child into a into a multiracial or white school and they start twanging and they start speaking English and they start looking you in the face and they mm. start having attitude and things like that. It's very unfair not to shout back at the child and say, why are you not trying to be proud of Africa? But the child would probably say if they had the voice to say, my mind, Baba, you put me in this school. <laughs> Was the intention not that I should be good? Yeah. Was the intention not that I should be liked? Yeah. Was the intention not that I should try to do what seems to be the culture yeah. in this school? Yeah. What options do I have? So I can speak rough English, but I'll be standing in the corner every break. Yeah. Being picked so, up. You understand? Yeah. So, so I feel we sometimes are unfair and we take out our own embarrassment on the children. On the children. Yeah. I took the liberty of uh, chatting with a few friends uh, as well as on social media. And um, uh, a gentleman by the name of Tawonga uh, asked the question that uh, does the current educational system enable oppression or is it empowering? I don't think it is empowering at all. And when I say that, I don't mean that you absolutely learn nothing. Mm -hmm. But I think the foundation is lacking. And I think schools in Africa, and this is not a South African problem, this is an African problem. Uh, The African, 
schools in Africa, educational institutions in Africa, need to have a foundation that is cultural. And I don't care what, child, what background you are from a child. When you go to a school in Africa, the foundation should be African. That mm -hmm. shouldn't even be a question. Exactly. It's, it's not even oppressive or anything. It's just this is where we are. Mm -hmm. This is the history that is the most relevant in this part of the world. And this is what we, where we're going to start our, our search for more wisdom from. Mm -hmm. And then you can engage with other forms of culture, other forms of wisdom, but you have a base. Sure. And I think because we haven't really decolonized where we came from and how we started out in the in the baby stages of the African national state, mm -hmm. which I think is very problematic because for so long, all of us around the continent, we have tried to emulate what our oppressors told us to do right. or what they have going for them in their own countries. So we become kind of copycats of what works for them and then we become second best because we cannot be them. Sure. So we will always be second best. And when we, do, we don't even form our knowledge in our, on a, in our own foundation, it becomes very oppressive. I think it's, it's the birthright of every child, whoever you are, and especially in the, when you live in the region where your people comes from. Uh -huh. You should learn about your own people first. You should, you, should, you should from day one understand that I come from a people that are good in science, uh -huh. good in architecture, incredible when it comes to language, writing, poetry, all kinds of things. Right. So when we don't do that, we are lying to our children because we give them, give, give them the impression that real knowledge comes from outside. Mm, mm. It's just going now 9.42 Central African time. You know, the way the time is flying, <laughs> I think we're going to need a, an entire day to discuss this. The That's way true. it's like I'm feeling so pumped right now. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, representing Zimbabwe, this is uh, Tanga Wekwasando saying, Handidi Dinoda. I'll tell you a little bit about that song later. This is Trans-Africa Radio. Trans-Africa Radio, 100% African. Uh, representing uh, Zimbabwe there, that's uh, Tanga Wekwasando. And uh, basically what his song is saying, uh, he calls it Handidindinoda. Uh, I want, but I don't want. And he says confusion. And he's talking about, um, you know, uh, like a story of, of him meeting up uh, with an old colleague that he grew up with, you know, mm -hmm. back in the Lockshins. You know, he says, do you remember me? You know, I'm that boy from that other street. And I remember you, you know. We, and then we went to school, right, and learned all the English mm. words. Now we're so educated, yeah. we forget mm. we are African. True. How deep is that song? That is deep. And, and, and I find it that it's a problem uh, where, you know, like you mentioned that, you know, the educational system mm. has got so many, so many faults. I've got a, a friend of mine here called Tinashe who's out in Australia. And he says, why are we still stuck on an old European education system, yeah. you know, which we now use to only you know, recognize the highest scorers instead of a modern system, you know, which maybe recognizes a student's strength, you know, from an early age and just guide him accordingly. Mm -hmm. And he gives an example that, you know, if a child is not good in maths uh, and English and science, you know, they're written off and uh, not given a chance in life from an early age. Yet in first world countries, you know, a, a child that is given a skill at 16 year, years old, you know, to become a plumber, sure. builder, mechanic, mm. nurse, or farmer, you know, they, they're given the same opportunity and yeah. even make a better living. True, true. It's, it's a problem there. It is a problem. But I think it still goes back to, you know, the thing is, yes, we need to change the education system. We need to change the leadership system. We need to change governance. We need to change policy making. But 
as we do that, because that's going to take a while. That's what I see. Right. Um, we can't just sit and wait for it to happen. Uh, and I want to, my choice and my family's choice is to create power in the spaces where we have some control. And we have some control in our homes. We have some control over what we want to expose our children to. So, for instance, we don't have a TV. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a very conscious choice we have lived with even before we had children. It's, it's just we don't want this box that everyone sits and just stares at even if there's <laughs> nothing of value on. Right. Uh, and when we want to seek information on a screen, we can do that in other ways. Mm-hmm. So that's just an example. But there are choices we can make. Some of us, I mean, li- literally some people have come to visit us and say, I, hear, I heard that you don't have a TV. Just want to check if it's true. Like, okay. <laughs> like, that's how that's how surprised some people are. What do you mean you don't have a TV? Like you never watch it? Like what do you do then? No, if you don't Netflix. have a TV. You actually talk? <laughs> how can that be possible? Uh-huh. And for me, that's about taking back family time because it's not like we're just sitting there being bored. Mm. We have family creative night. We we dance. We sing. We do silly jokes. We read uh, history. We we try to make it vibrant every single day. In our own way. Right. And I think, so, so yes, we need to change the education system. I'm not saying we shouldn't and sure. mustn't. But at the same time, we also need to reclaim the powers that we can actually, where we can have some control. And like you said, parents are busy. I know that some people are like, you, so you expecting me to set up a school on top <laughs> of everything that I do? Yeah, but maybe we also can link up. Maybe you have a child, we have a child, there's a next door neighbor, there's maybe four of us. Right. We could rotate every one Saturday a month. Uh-huh. I have them for three hours. Next Saturday they go to you, then they go to you. Uh-huh. That's that's at least the beginning. That's three the beginning. hours is a lot of time it's when it comes to this kind of information. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying we can be creative about this. For sure. And, and, and I know with most parents they'll be saying, but what am I paying your teacher for? That's, that's their <laughs> role. They must teach you everything. If you can trust that, well, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> now, moving on to another sensitive topic mm. uh, about African manhood. Sure. Uh, who is the African man, right? And, and what is his role in society mm. and, and family? You know, I think we are now, oh, for some years though, but I think we are now really dealing with that question. Who are we as African men? Mm. What makes us African men? What makes us different from others? Uh, and especially in this space that you, you, you say that language has become a bit of a problem because it's not just our children who speak English. We speak a lot of English, oh, yeah. especially when we have important meetings and yeah. we discuss real uh, programs and things like that. We go to English and some of us don't even know how to articulate these great theories and, and projects and, and plans in our own languages. So, so who are we then if I can talk better about what I do in English or if I can give a class better in English than in a, an indigenous language? I think one thing I want to say, and, and I'm saying this from our experience of having the Shabaka program that we've run for 12 years now, where it's a dedicated space to African men. We have dialogues, we have men on the mountain, we have a number of uh, we have teen talks for young, young men. Mm-hmm. We, we, we engage young men, or mm-hmm. men across the age groups, actually. But what is important for us is I'm just thankful that we are asking the question because I think the problem is when we take it for granted and we have done that for a while because the the patriarchal notions that we have lived with, they're not even our own. They come from, the, 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 they, they have, they've, sn- they've snuck in through mm. religion, mm-hmm. through business, through many places of knowledge and places that we normally don't feel it's easy to criticize because mm-hmm. you can't really criticize the church unless there's really something hectic going on. But to criticize faith or to criticize business that actually is successful and is making money, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. But it also comes with a cultural 
founding foundation mm. which often makes us or has made us believe as African men that we are superior to women. We mm. may not say that. We may not. We may know that that's not politically correct to say. But many of us feel we are superior to women. Mm -hmm. We don't feel that women leaders are as qualified as us. We don't think a war can be fought by women. We we we, we have a number of things that we think about women. And my point is not to say that. I'm not coming from the point of saying that women and men should always be exactly the same. We mm -hmm. should be equal in terms of the, the, the levels we, we, we are regarded as. But we don't have to do the same things. We are supposed to actually come with uh, different things into unions, right. whether that is brotherhood and sisterhood or, or uh, in, in our marriages or in our relationships. So who the African man is right now, I think there's a, it's a question mark around it. Because sure. who are we really and who do we want to be? Mm -hmm. And Shabaka is, is a project that has the following question as it's at, at its core. We ask, am I the best African man that I could possibly be? Mm -hmm. And if not, why? Mm -hmm. And when I've started to study why, what between the reasons that I find am I willing to take responsibility for and change? Mm -hmm. Because some of us live, we are locked in a, no, I can't, you know, I can't because I don't have money. Right. Then done. So you, if I'm violent, if I shout a lot, if I can't look after my child, if I'm gone for three days, you can't hold me to any account. I'm, I don't have money. And the African men opening up they are to opening express up. their hurt or whatever pain they're going Yo, through. You know what? <laughs> I'm, I'm saying that I, I think I've always known because I've always had, I've always had access to a number of people who are willing to talk. Right. Because maybe of the way that I have also at one point decided in my life that I'm going to be open about myself and what I go through. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't know this until I started. We started the Shabaka program in 2010. And from that, from that year on, every month, apart from when there's COVID, mm -hmm. <laughs> every mm -hmm. year, every month, we have at least two engagements with men, 20, 20 people plus, mm -hmm. where we just... We are just dialoguing. We're talking about, okay, so for instance, one exercise we do is um, tell us about, we, we call it breaking stones. Mm -hmm. So a stone is very hard to break, but you carry maybe a stone inside that has become this emotional uh, lump of things that you don't even want to touch. Right. A, a memory from the past, mm -hmm. something that your teacher told you, something that your mother didn't do for you or something. Mm -hmm. We ask, what is the stone that you need to crack? Very simple question. And you can, you can choose to say, no, you can choose to say something easy. You don't have to say that you're going through mental problems necessarily. Yeah. But that's what men do. They choose to talk about what is really, I mean, maybe not the first person, but definitely by the number two or number three, people don't want to stop. We actually have to say, my brother, thank you. so." But there's, <laughs> you know, there are other people who are also, yeah. can we just give some more time to others? And they're pouring out. They're pouring out. And what is very healing about this, because what we try to steer away from, you know, as men, we... We don't like to admit this, but we take a lot of cues from others. If I see another man cry, then I think it's maybe okay that I can do it too. Ah. But I just reading it in the paper, ah, those must be silly men. So probably that's not really... This is just a reporter who says this or some, some, some psychologist. They are not real people, so I, I can't cry. Uh -huh. But if I see a man break down, I'm thinking, you know what? I'm not even hating on you right now. I'm actually respecting you for being able to be honest and open. Uh -huh. Or if somebody says, you know, my wife is actually beating me up. Like, you know, you're just, <laughs> beating you up. Ah, man, well, who are you? <laughs> like, that might be happening when in passing, when you say it at the tavern or when you say it at a party or something. But when you sit with men and you, you create a platform of, of safe space and seriousness, men would actually come up to that brother and say, you know what? I respect you so much. I don't know if I would have had the guts to say what you're saying, but I'm with you. And if I can help you, if I can be of support, here's my number. This is where I live. Come and join me anytime. 
Wow. So we are ready. So we must do this. We must set up those. Start within your own family. Start within your own brotherhood of circle of friends. Yes, we need to talk about soccer and cars and women sometimes. But actually, sometimes I feel we are, that those are fillers. Yes. What yes. we really want to talk about is I'm lonely sometimes. I don't know who to talk to. Huh. I, my, my relationship is drying up. I, I, I'm, I'm lying to my wife. I'm not even working overtime, but I keep saying it so that I can go somewhere else before I go home. Are there any common stones that most of these uh, men that you chat with uh, bring up? Oh, yes. Uh, I think one very, very common thing that I feel all of us as African men carry in different variations is lack of self-validation. Most of us feel that we're not really enough. Mm. And we're not even sure what would take us to a stage of being enough. So we use fillers. Or we use... Um, uh, we, 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 we use... Uh, yeah, fillers. For yeah. instance, if I can finally afford an expensive car, uh -huh. that fills my void for a while because I'll be admired. People say, yo, you got a car, yo. Yeah. Like, at least I'm man for maybe six months now. Right. But when that wears off and maybe I can't continue to pay, down pay on the car and I need to give it away, now I'm back in that lack of self-validation again. Uh -huh. And it has a lot to do with that whether we have grown up with our fathers or not, many of us have not been nurtured very strongly by grown African male role models right? who even just by their way of living showed us how they deal with conflicts, how they deal when world is, the world is against them. Because as men, we often hide mm -hmm. when that happens. So mm -hmm. you may even, I'm, I'm trying to say, because I'm trying to not just talk about the absent father story, but even if your father was there, did you see him vulnerable? Did you see him how he dealt with when he felt his wife was getting too close on his own insecurities? Uh -huh. Do you know how he felt when the, the relationship was almost about to break? Uh -huh. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you because did, yeah. those conversations, he didn't know how to have those conversations. And in his view and what he had been told was that you don't talk to children about this. So now when you are in your relationship, you are becoming 2025 20, and you think that maybe it's easy because I saw my father handling stuff. But now she's saying things you are not, you, you know, there's that's some... Brothers who report that, women who say, you are not even a man, look at you. Ooh. Now, you don't know how much that kills a man inside. Mm -hmm. It really, it's not just sad or it's not just, a, it's, it really kills the man. So, and I, I th I'm not trying to, give, get ex to, to present an excuse for some, some of the violent behavior that some of us have, some of the rude language that some of us talk to and about women in. I'm not saying that's, that's excusable, but I'm just saying, One thing we need to learn as African men and women is that if we really want to heal the wounds that actually all of us carry in some part, we need to come together. Mm -hmm. And I get it that not all women can feel safe with us as men because some of us are troublesome. Some of us are so full of darkness that we will we'll give the most of it to those we say we love. Mm -hmm. um, so I get that women are not... Some women don't know how to come to that table mm -hmm. because it seems to be another experience of them being pushed down, being told where to sit, what they really mean and who they really are. Mm -hmm. And women don't want that. Mm -hmm. So that's why we have created a space. And there are women who say, can I come and sit in? I want to just hear what you're talking about. No, you cannot. No, you cannot. You cannot. And it has nothing to do with hatred or anything. It's just we... We know that as African men, we behave different when there are women in the room. Right. We start now to want to post her. Yeah. We want to like look good enough. and yeah. we want to make her laugh and things like that. But when it's raw and real, just men. And I want to say this. The most beautiful sessions we have are those where there's a huge age gap. Mm. So the 17-year-old up to the 69-year-old. 
Now, and in the beginning, it's tense because both of them are thinking, what is this old dude doing here? What is this little boy doing? I'm not going to talk about anything. Mm -hmm. But then when they get into it, you see the elder like almost falling off his chair into the story of the young man. I didn't know that young people go through this. Mm -hmm. I thought they were just being rude and and entitled and, and stupid. But now this is what they're going through. And the same from the young person. I never heard an old man open about this. He's on his second divorce and he can talk about it. So for me, sometimes our solutions are not that far-fetched and so far away from us. And I feel that as brothers, because we need brotherhood as well. Yes, and, and beyond just being friends and hang out and have a drink or whatever. But brotherhood, like you can trust in a brother. You yes. can mirror yourself in a brother. Yes. You can go to a brother and say, you know what? I think I'm, I'm failing right now. And right. your brother is there. He's got you. He's like, no, we're not going to stop this. You know what? I don't want to see you like this. We're going to work through this. I'm here. We need to do this for each other sure. because we sure. need it so much ourselves. Sure, sure. You know, this, 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 this conversation is just getting so deep. And I know that uh, there's, a, there's a lot of you who are listening right now. Uh, time is not on our side, but, uh, you know, it's, I just wish that we could have uh, probably like a weekly session of this. <laughs> no, we can come back. We can do this again, definitely. No, absolutely. And, and, and you touched on, 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 on a part that's, you know, very sensitive as well, you know, regarding just, just the gender-based uh, violence. Yeah. Um, and I know it's just on the rise. Mm. It's 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 it's, it's shocking. True. I don't know what causes that. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of underlying yeah. causes. Uh, but have we also looked at how it's also happening to men on the reverse? Yeah. Sure. And why has it not also been you know talked about as much exactly, as it yeah. is? I know it's probably the, the the numbers are much less, but yes. it's, it's it's also a problem. Out it there. is a problem. I think. Look. First of all, we are a people, a continent that have gotten used to violence. We, we are existing within bodies that for a very long time in our history has been a space. And I'm calling our bodies a space because black skin has been associated with violence and degradation for so long mm -hmm. that we have on a subconscious level also adopted those. When we see other black people, we don't expect much. When we see other black people, at least on a subconscious level, we, we die a lot on this continent and it's not really a big issue. Like we're just used to it. Mm -hmm. So it, for me, it starts there. And then secondly, it starts with uh, the values that have kind of sieved in through other, like we mentioned church, we mentioned uh, um, education, we mentioned um, uh, economies and business. So through that, we have started to live a script that is not even ours. And it has made some of us as men feel that we are entitled, we are superior. And when we act that out, because now we are being told that the Bible says, or in business you need to, and th that's what we're told. Mm -hmm. And we, we feel that we can't even argue against that. And that's why some of because we shifted from being, I think we were very different men before colonialism, very right. different men. I'm yeah. not saying all of us were completely harmonious and, and all in touch with ourselves, but we were very, very different. Mm. I think if men of the past visit us now they would be shocked sure and i think this is what ancestors do all the time they are shocked in what we are doing yeah. now now we've gotten so f since recently we got comfortable in these new patriarchal roles right and now uh, because for me patriarchy starts with fear of women yep because when you are fearful of something you need to press them down so that they would never believe that they are anything and then things become Order, that's what we call order. When we, when we say as men, uh, there was a time when a man knew how to be a man and a woman knew to be a woman. That's that script. That's when that women script. had their place, they stayed in the kitchen, they didn't say anything, they didn't question you. If you were out for three days, no questions asked, my baby, here's some food. That's mm. what women were supposed to do. 
So now we don't know because we kind of didn't consciously choose to be these men. So now when women are waking up and they want to do the same thing, they say, I can buy my own car. I don't mm. need a man. Mm. I just want you for a baby. Because there are, there are some women who say that now. Yeah. Now we are petrified. Like we, but we have tried <laughs> to be all these men for such a long time and now it's wrong. Uh -huh. So what are we supposed to be? Mm -hmm. And that's why we need to have conversations. That's why we need to affirm each other. That th there's no threat. We mustn't be f afraid of women standing up, being strong, paving their own ways. We would have done the same and much more if it was if the tables were turned. Right, right. So I think, yes, we need to talk about violence, but we also need to talk about all the things that have created these violent scripts within us. Not as an excuse, but as a way to find the solution. And you are right. There are, women who are, there are men who are abused as well. I mean, if you look at the violence statistics, it's probably more, it is way more men who die from violence than women. Uh, so we need to address that too. Mm. But I think what is specific about the, the violence in the home or, or between the genders is that many women uh, have gone into relationships with somebody they started to trust who has now started to be abusive and take advantage of them and psychologically, mentally, and physically abuses them on, right. a, on, a, on a regular basis. There are men who also go through that. Mm. And because of the stigma in society, I mean, it's difficult for women to report violence, even much more difficult for men to report violence because they'll be laughed at, they'll be called not men, mm -hmm. they'll be, they'll, th there will be a judgment in society yeah. about that. Yeah. But I think we are beginning, and I think I see hope in our young uh, young men who, who when <laughs> I just to say this, the other day I had a counseling session with a young man. He's 23. He was 23 when he came to me. He came with a chart of his problem. He had like meticulously <laughs> written on the paper, I have a problem with this and this relates to what and this is my childhood and this is what. He, two pages. Wow. That's like, so what am I supposed to do? Because this is what I normally do with people, help them to map out what the yeah. problem is. What I'm trying to say is that I think that young men in a more conscious way than maybe how we were raised or what we felt was ac acceptable for us to do mm. are also more conscious in their search. They may not always find the answers because I think it takes working together mm. to find the real answers. But at least they are more aware of the questions. So they, when they get a chance to talk, they can actually talk. Mm -hmm. For I see a huge difference when I speak to men our age. Yo, it's like one hour in. At the end of the session, that's maybe you say, ah, and then there was this woman who took advantage. Oh. What did you say now? What, what, what is that? Why didn't you say that in the beginning? Yes. No, I've never talked to anybody, so I, I didn't even plan to bring it up. We don't know how to talk. Uh. We judge ourselves before mm. even we let anyone else judge us. Mm. Mm. That's so deep, eh? That's so it deep. It is. It is. I know uh, time is, is just, is just <laughs> run out. I've got just one last question for yes. you. I'm going to bundle the two last questions. Okay. Um, Obviously, the, the 25th of May is, is Africa Day. Um, do you celebrate Africa Day? Uh, and, and, the, and the next one is uh, just referring to, to the former president, Tabombeke's poem, I'm an African. It's a beautiful poem. Um, and he ends up, uh, or he ends the poem by saying that today is a good day to be an African. Uh -huh. And I want to ask you that as well, that is today a good day for Dr. Buntu <laughs> to be an African? I'll probably be seen as a hater, but <laughs> I, I, I don't celebrate African, uh, Africa Day, and I don't, I don't like, I mean, there are elements of the speech, I, I'm an African, that uh, when extracted and seen in itself is beautiful, but there's, a, there's also a line in this long speech that, for instance, says, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not, I'm, it's not ad verbatim, but he mm -hmm. says, it says something like, I also acknowledge the Europeans who migrated to our shores mm. and found new homes on our land. Mm. And uh, whatever they ended up doing, I also see myself in them. 
I do not see myself in them at all. And mm -hmm. I think it's very offensive to make that a statement that is supposed to kind of be for the whole of Africa. Mm -hmm. We are very messed up for these people who came very viciously and took from us and yep. stole from us and murdered us and terrorized us mm -hmm. and, and turned our societies upside down. Yep. We are living with that this now a thousand years later. Our, mm -hmm. our societies are messed up in so many ways because of what they did to us. And that's something that I find difficult to just forgive. But for me, Africa Day is, is Africa Liberation Day. And for me, it goes back to 1958, three, five years before for the 1963 co conference uh -huh. where Kwame Nkrumah called independent states of Africa and they spoke about the need for an Africa Freedom Day and mm. then later it was changed to Africa Liberation Day and I'm right. holding on to that because this day or this month for us should be a very critical analysis. Are we actually walking towards freedom? Are we walking towards other forms of oppression? What do we decide, design or, or, or define as our fully liberated state? Is that when we have everything that Europe has, or is it when we actually develop our own? And I think it's the latter. So I can't celebrate a continent that is so far off its course um, when we're supposed to. I mean, we come from incredible greatness, and we have become the most dependent place on Earth. Mm -hmm. And I think we don't have to be there. So for me, it's, it's an affirmation of where we come from and a dedication to where we want to go as an African people into an empowered future. Wow. Whew. That was just so deep. <laughs> I just want to thank you so much no, for, for coming through and sharing so much knowledge. Uh, we, we really appreciate you, and, and, and I, I definitely need you back here. We will set, set up some time. I think, um, you know, such lessons are so valuable, and, and we so really much. appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Dr. Boone, for it's coming through. It's my greatest through. pleasure. It's, it's, just, it's just incredible. It's, it's now uh, 12 <laughs> minutes after the hour of 10, and, and it's <laughs> funny how time flies. True. You know, we, we're going to end this section now and uh, just get into some more jazz. I've got Tandiswa coming through with uh, Nizalo Angobani, and you know what that means. <laughs> you know, and then, of course, Zoe Modika talking about African girls. But, uh, you know, we're going to close this off. My name is Rhymes Concerto, and this is the Jazz Sessions on TransAfricaRadio.net. Revolutionaries die and the children forget. This, this is Trans Africa Radio. 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 Trans Africa Radio.